You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. IBM reports on the cost of a data breach, personal apps as a potential business risk, over on the dark side, there's help wanted in the C2C labor market. An employee engagement study reaches predictably glum conclusions. Betsy Carmelite from Booz Allen Hamilton on reducing software supply chain risks with S-bombs. Our guest is Elaine Lee from Mimecast, discussing the pros and cons of AI in cybersecurity and why so much attempted DDoS, but not so much ransomware. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, July 27th, 2022. IBM Security has released its 17th annual Cost of a Data Breach report. The research, conducted by the Poneman Institute and sponsored, analyzed, and published by IBM Security, analyzed 550 organizations that fell victim to a data breach between March of 2021 and March of 2022. Researchers found that 83% of organizations had more than one data breach. It was discovered that 60% of the breaches led to increases in customer prices with the costs of a data breach averaging $4.35 million. The critical infrastructure sector was disproportionately impacted financially by breaches, with impacted organizations averaging costs of $4.82 million. It pays, however, to have protection in place. Just over $3 million was saved on average by companies with fully deployed security AI and automation systems and $2.66 million was saved by companies with an incident response team and plan. IBM thinks data breaches are having an effect upon economic conditions in general. The company said, The findings suggest these incidents may also be contributing to rising costs of goods and services. In fact, 60% of studied organizations raise their product or services prices due to the breach when the costs of goods is already soaring worldwide amid inflation and supply chain issues. The toll breaches exact amounts to an invisible cyber tax. Netscope has released a report detailing the common use of personal apps in business. 
cloud app use has seen an increase of 35% just since the beginning of 2022, with the average mid-sized business with between 500 and 2,000 employees using 138 different apps. Personal app and personal instance usage increases in the 30 days before employees leave an organization, with 20% of users uploading unusually high amounts of data before their departure. This might be innocent, but it does inevitably raise suspicions. Netscope explains the distinction between a personal app and a personal instance. They say a personal app, such as WhatsApp, is an app that only sees personal usage from personal accounts. A personal instance is a personal account of an app that is also managed by the organization. For example, someone's personal Gmail account in an organization that uses Google Workspaces is a personal instance. A current trend represents an increase of 33% from the same time last year. Personal app usage is most prevalent in the retail sector, with nearly 4 in 10 employees using them, and it's least prevalent in the financial sector, where fewer than 1 in 10 employees were found to be uploading, creating, sharing, and storing data. Interestingly, it was found that many organizations use apps with overlapping functionalities. Mid-sized companies, on the average, use four webmail apps, seven cloud storage apps, and 17 collaboration apps. This obviously suggests an unnecessary expansion of an organization's attack surface. The Council on Foreign Relations looks at the recent record of Russian cyber operations, particularly from the country's privateers, and asks why ransomware attacks against Ukrainian targets seem to have fallen off after an initial wave of pseudo-ransomware wiper attacks. After all, it's not like gangland isn't connected to the organs. Conti is, or at least was, tight with the FSB, and Evil Corp danced with both the FSB and the SVR. So it's not as if there's a lack of either juice or direction. They suggest a range of reasons for this, but come down in the end to the privateer's profit motive. But Ukrainian victims are unlikely to have much incentive to pay their ransom and may have small ability to do so even in the unlikely event that they wish to. None of this minimizes the ransomware gang's connections to the Russian security services, nor should it be taken as a counsel of complacency, rather the opposite. If you look like you could pay, you can expect to be regarded as a potential target. Tessian has shared the results of an employee engagement study detailing that nearly one in three employees, on average, do not believe that they play a part in the cybersecurity of their company. Reportedly, only about 39% of employees surveyed say that they're very likely to report a security incident, with 42% of respondents reasoning that they wouldn't know if they caused a security incident, and 25% saying that they just don't care enough about cybersecurity. About three-quarters of organizations have experienced a security incident in the last year, despite IT and security leaders ranking their security posture as 8 out of 10 on average. Nearly half of all security leaders say training is one of the most important parts of the cybersecurity puzzle, but only 28% of employees in the United Kingdom and United States report that they find the training engaging, and alarmingly, only 36% pay full attention to the training. We don't want to throw the first stone here. After all, we all remember our high school careers, and 36% of our full attention would have made our teachers proud. 
But maybe an hour of PowerPoint once a year in the break room isn't the royal road to practical wisdom in these matters, even if donuts and coffee are provided. And finally, maybe this great resignation we keep hearing about is a problem for the criminal market as well. Huntress contacted us yesterday with a note about the way they're seeing threat actors target managed service providers in their supply chain attacks. They said, Huntress researchers discovered a beeper thread from July 18, 2022, looking for a partner to help process stolen data from over 50 American MSPs, 100 ESXi, and more than 1,000 servers. The hacker boasted a high profit share, with only little left to do before exploiting the data. Huntress reminds us that this also seems to corroborate the threat to MSPs the Five Eyes warned of on May 11th of this year, the Five Eyes being Australia, Canada, New Zealand, the United Kingdom, and the United States. Their observations also confirm something about the C2C market. Its criminal players suffer from the same human resources challenges the rest of us do. Here's the text of what amounts to a criminal's help-wanted ad— Looking for a partner for MSP processing. I have access to the MSP panel of 50-plus companies, over 100 ESXi, 1,000-plus servers. All companies are American and approximately in the same time zone. I want to work qualitatively, but I do not have enough people. In terms of preparation, only little things are left, so my profit share will be high. Please send me a message for details and suggestions. Well, friend, here's a suggestion. Your profit share might be high, but why would your prospective employees care about putting Dogecoin in your wallet, cold, virtual, or otherwise? I mean, they have expenses and obligations, too. What about their profit share? Well, things are tough all over. Here's a thought. Promise the goons you hire that you'll never make them sit through a quarterly PowerPoint in the break room. People hate that, or so we hear. We don't do break room training at the CyberWire headquarters, but if we did, we'd certainly provide donuts and coffee. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. 
Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Elaine Lee is a principal data scientist at Mimecast's CyberGraph team, and I caught up with her for her take on artificial intelligence for cybersecurity, where it works well and where it's still got a ways to go. AI does very well at uh, picking up on anomalies. So uh, basically, with AI systems, they have a lot of computing power and capacity at their disposal. So it is able to just leverage all of that to be basically super vigilant, hyper vigilant. So an average human can only pay attention to so much at the same time, um, can only incorporate and make use of so much data about its environment at the same time. Theoretically, an AI system does not have as strict limitations as a human would. So it's able to pay attention to much more. And as a result, it makes it very, it makes AI systems very suited for anomaly detection. So basically just looking for anything that's out of the ordinary. So that's what it's very good at. And I think a lot of adaptive uh, AI and ML systems are built around this sort of idea that it's, you know, just look for something that's a little odd and then alert a human about it. And where does it come up short these days? So kind of going back to something I said earlier about generative systems, um, just basically new stuff uh, entering entering the scene. I don't think we're quite there yet, um, but um, AI systems might not be very adept at identifying new threats, new and emerging threats. I think a lot of AI current, a lot of existing current AI systems are built around recognizing known attack vectors and known, uh, just basically things that have been seen before, attack types that have been seen before. So if you try to do something new, it would take a while for an AI system to pick up on it if it ever picks up on it. So oftentimes you still need that human in the loop to train the AI system to recognize a new threat type. So that is, long story short, it's not very good at detecting very, very novel threats. So where do you suppose we're headed then? I mean, as you look at some of the things that are on the horizon or where the technology is headed, what does the future hold? I think AI ML systems will get better at detecting novel threats, kind of touching upon something I said earlier about uh, generative uh, types of models. Maybe if it's if the quality ends up being good enough, that those generative models, those outputs from those generative models could be used to inform new AI ML systems for defense. So um, that, that could be where we're headed. In terms of people integrating this into their security defenses, how should they best calibrate the part that artificial intelligence plays? It varies by organization, by team, by company, by culture. So the best way to, the best advice I give is to just um, make sure the human is in the loop. Make sure you have a human that's um, involved in the calibration. Also understand the organization that you're trying to protect, uh, the IT uh, the IT admin is definitely the best person for that. You know, that's that would then be their job to understand the population, the group of users that they're trying to protect, and and therefore use utilize the tools that's available to them. You know, be it AI, ML enabled, or just your average, just your ordinary cybersecurity tools. Just utilize them effectively to protect your team. 
it's not one size fits all advice, um, but maybe the only advice I, the only general advice I could give is make sure the the human remains in the loop and can calibrate and adapt their security solutions to meet the needs of their teams. That's Elaine Lee from Mimecast. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And joining me once again is Betsy Carmelite. She is a principal at Booz Allen Hamilton, as well as being the Federal Attack Surface Reduction Lead, I want to touch base today on Software Bill of Materials, uh, also known by the catchy name S-Bombs. I wanted to get your take on where we stand with this and uh, what are some of the things that this is potentially going to do for us. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Glad to be back. Following cyber events like SolarWinds and Log4Shell, S-Bombs have gained massive attention as a solution for Warding supply chain attacks. And so just for definition of terms and understanding, an SBOM is like an itemized receipt for software to give software producers, buyers, operators a greater understanding of the supply chain so they can better track down vulnerabilities and risks, enable security by design, and make informed choices about software supply chain logistics and acquisition issues. So in terms of integration, I mean, what, what do organizations have to do to, to be in compliance here? Yeah, to envision how SBOMs fit into an effort to counter software supply chain risks in a more integrated way, we're recommending starting with a well-known military symbol. And so we've created a framework around this, um, the Trident. So this represents the cross-functional effort needed to counter software supply chain threats. So if you look at the trident, the longest prong in the center is a set of techniques used for hunting advanced persistent threats. And on each side is another prong. Uh, One is SBOM implementation on the left and augmented data risk management on the right. So tips to kind of wield this framework within that trident include Ensuring your organizational policies and procedures allow for fast-moving implementation of the framework across software that touches all segments of your organization and consistently applying it. Also, engaging your employees regularly around ways to detect malicious activity through cyber awareness programs. This is really your basic cyber hygiene approach. Always educate and inform Third, use APT techniques to discern vulnerabilities in tandem with your SBOM analyses. And then use the data collected from the SBOM analysis process and incorporate it directly into your risk management processes. 
Finally, we can't forget, we talk about it all the time, adopt the SBOM concept in concert with a zero trust security mindset. So is the notion here with S-bombs that, you know, for example, the, the next uh, Log4J comes out or something like that that's, uh, you know, deep within the the, the code of, of things I might be using, that I can just look through that software bill of materials and see whether or not I've got a problem? Well, this is going to be one of the challenges. So cataloging and understanding all of the information that S-bombs contain is really going to be one of the first things that agencies will need to do. So mm. so finding that software, you're really going to have to make sure your cataloging is accurate and valid. So we see that as as one of one of the challenges. There are a couple other challenges around um, implementing this, especially in on the regulatory front. Just to, to back up a little bit, the there is an entire section of the executive order devoted to software supply chain security. And we also expect forthcoming OMB guidance on secure development practices to make SBOM the standard for vendor self-attestation. Um, and so basically the OMB guidance will be put into contractual terms by agencies and depending on the release date of that guidance we may see some proofs of concept appear before the end of fiscal year 2022, but it's those th that guidance is likely not to be overly prescriptive. Going back to some of the challenges there, right now, agencies currently don't have the staff to meet OMB's guidance and requirements. Um, the cataloging again, um, cyber fatigue, there are constantly new developments rolling out and new guidelines to follow. Sometimes it can be difficult to keep up with every new development, especially as we see OMB previously requiring agencies to comply with NIST's secure software development framework. That was precipitated by SolarWinds in 2020. Eventually, software vendors will be eventually expected to prove their compliance with that NIST framework and, and vendors prefer self-attestation rather than third-party verification. So for the SBOM to be standardized and, and practically used, it's going to require deadlines for vendors and a concrete process um, that can be reapplied over and over again for using the information those SBOMs contain. And what sort of timeline do you suppose that we're on here? So... We've seen the Biden administration at least put a clear timeline in place for complying with the adoption of zero trust and other measures. So um, we we know that whatever timeline will be practically applied, um, and it's going to be helpful for federal contractors to allow them enough time to budget for the, for the changes. So we're expecting at some point, you know, within this fiscal year, for that guidance to come out. All right. Well, Betsy Carmelite, thanks for joining us. And that's The Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. The Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brandon Karp, Eliana White, Liz Irvin, 
Peru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Rachel Gelfin, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.